Hello, everybody. This is Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris. This is Frank. And tonight we have a special segment that we're going to do that we're introducing called the First Watch. Um, what, what we are doing here tonight is we have one of my oldest friends here, Mike Bledsoe, um, and he has a uh, shockingly high number of movies that he's never seen before that pretty much everybody from the time period we grew up have seen. I didn't know you were going to go into all the movies. Was... <laughs> we're not going to go... <laughs> Just, we, just setting the stage. We're just set, we're just setting the stage. Um, this is a series. Um, yeah. So um, <clears throat> what we're going to be doing um, is uh, discussing first why he's never seen these movies, <laughs> and then um, what his general impressions without seeing these movies um, are. And uh, then we're going to sit here and watch the movie. We'll be stopping intermittently into the movie to get some immediate reaction, and then we'll get an overall reaction uh, at the end. Uh, so there'll be some breaks throughout this podcast where we'll be stopping and restarting just so you're aware. Um, so, uh, I'm going to start off, Mike, um, do you want to, how have you never seen the Goonies <laughs> in Toto? <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'm trying to think about what what movies I watched as a kid. Uh-huh. I don't... Just one of the guys? <laughs> this is a preteen. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> over and over. <laughs> um, and that was only because my neighbors had Showtime. Mm. But, um, yeah, I've... I've uh, I don't know. I don't remember having a lot of movies in my house. I, did, did you guys have a lot of movies that you watched at home? Um, oh. I mean, we went to you know, Movie King, every weekend, I would at least rent, like, one or two movies for a weekend. I don't know if we... We didn't own a lot of movies, because back when we were kids, movies were, like, $80 yeah. for a VHS, but you would record stuff off TV and, you know, rent things every weekend. Yeah. I mean, my parents watched a lot of movies. Like, my mom read some, but it was very specific things, um, like, true crime type stuff. Uh-huh. So, like, their form of entertainment was television and movies, so... They used to rent movies consistently every weekend, probably um, throughout the week. Once they became like five for five, like at the movie stores, and um, so yeah, I always like had there was always movies on like in the background, like on TBS or something that was like showing some cut down version of a movie. So yeah, I mean that's that's how like, I could probably watched like a lot of movies growing up. So I definitely, I, I definitely remember going to the the uh, the video store and rented movies um i i don't know that it was i know that we watched i, I had some h like some stuff that was taped off of hbo mm-hmm. and i know we watched that i watched a lot of last last unicorn <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and i saw the star wars movies and i had like tapes of the star wars movies probably that were taped off of hbo or something like mm-hmm. that yeah um but I don't know. I I never. So I've never seen the Goonies. Uh, my my wife loves the Goonies. Mm-hmm. She's shown it to my daughter, mm-hmm. and she likes it. So we have a VHS of it. Um, Do you just like that weird? Room? <laughs> That's, uh, that uh, that might be weirder than you not seeing the movie. Is that is it still being watched on VHS? Yes. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that's that's weirder. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, we have a uh, yeah, we have a VCR. Um, yeah, so I've tried to watch it a couple times. Um, so there's something about this movie that is it it feels it feels really weird and unfamiliar to me when. So I was trying to think about why it feels so unfamiliar. Um, I think part of it is that it's set in the Pacific Northwest, mm. and it's supposed to be in the summer, right? Is it like uh, no? I think it's I think vacation? I think it's I think it's like fall probably more right. than anything because the like the restaurants and stuff are shut down. Okay, actually, I I would think it's more towards like the winter, right? Maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, they certainly like they're in their clothing and stuff. They're wearing slightly heavier coats and stuff yeah, because like that they and, they like, make jackets. mention of when they come back from break, they're going to be coming back to like be in different places. Yeah. So I I would think it's probably. Break? I I don't know maybe what yeah. I, I mean maybe it's a flaw in I'm the screenplay. Not saying there are any flaws? But... <laughs> <laughs> it could be I, a flaw in the screenplay. I've never given it that much thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's just I I think it's weird. The scenery is. Is just unfamiliar to me because I'm used to Mid Atlantic and East Coast, and I so it dumps you into this it dumps you into this world where there's these kids that are all, you know, best friends that have mm-hmm. known seem like they've known each other forever, and um, it's there's there's something about it that I I find it very hard to get in like get involved with the characters at the beginning of the movie, mm. um, and so. I don't, I don't, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's, <laughs> if there's, uh, like we've talked about the whole, the whole restaurant thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 I mean, <laughs> just so everybody knows the origins of this idea, um, came from a conversation one night where, uh, Mike was trying to describe, why he has trouble with this movie and one of the reasons was because um he didn't quite understand why the restaurant is out on the beach and there's a field around it was it's not, a be- it's not a beach is it it's like um, a promontory like looking over the sea yeah it's yeah crazy. so I, like i was saying like i was saying like that that part of the movie just it feels so weird and unfamiliar and it's not like me, me talking about the restaurant and how it's 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 doesn't seem to like match up with my understanding of reality. Uh-huh. So it seems unrealistic, just, is what it seems to you, like that this even exists. Yeah. So is it you can't suspend your disbelief? Is that kind of the idea? Um. It it might be. Yeah. It might be. Uh. So, but the the whole thing about the restaurant. Is I is I feel like that's kind of just that, that's really just a joke. I mean, uh-huh. it, it it there's so there there is like a twinge of a feeling uh-huh. of this is weird. I don't understand what's happening here. Uh huh. But the idea of obsessing and and like yeah. pointing it out yeah. almost as a because it's such a non-element, right? Yeah, is really just more of a joke. Uh huh. But so it, why like there these... is some truth to it? Sure. Sure, because it's representative of the idea that this is an alien world to some degree, like, yeah. you know, to you. Yeah. Um, what is it with the kid? Like, I mean, these are kids are ostensibly, like, you know, roughly 
a couple years older than us and like you know at the yeah. time of this film so like like why do you think you have a hard time connecting like with the with the kids in it Corey feldman is far too precocious mm. in the first 15 minutes of this movie and for the entire 113 minutes of this movie <laughs> right I argue. and maybe his entire career <laughs> i mean it's yeah. possible <laughs> so he doesn't come off to me at like a kid he comes off to me as I don't know, this, this hyper, hyper-developed. <laughs> right, but he's he, he's the kid that didn't have very good parental guidance and was reading, like, his dad's Playboys and stuff like that. Yeah, well, so I was kind of thinking, so it's been a while since I even tried to watch this, but I was kind of thinking back about that scene in the beginning where he's talking to, is it the housekeeper? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Spanish. Yeah. And there's there's almost something, like, vaguely sexual about it to me. Like he's a vaguely it's, sexual it's, character. It's yeah. almost like he's trying to pick her up or something. Yeah. And no. I don't know if that's... Yeah. I, I'll have to watch it again. Right, yeah, that, yeah. That might be... Like, <laughs> well, there's also, like, you know, now that I forgot all about that scene until you just mentioned it, but it's like there's some, there's something slightly uncomfortable about the way he's treating her. Yeah. Given that she's the help. Like, yeah. you know, I, yeah. No, I agree. Um, And so, like, okay, so then there's there's that scene with... With um, where Chunk uh, is his name? Chunk, Chunk, yeah. Chunk, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Chunk arrives at the gate, mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. is that another Corey Feldman scene? They they make him do the truffle shuffle yeah. before they'll let him in the gate. Yeah, and then is and Corey Feldman the one that makes him do it? Uh, they all make him do it. They yeah, yeah, yeah. But Corey Feldman's the one that's like sure, do the truffle shuffle, Chunk. Yeah, he's the instigator. Yeah. So that scene is. So you, you see you see him arrive and they say okay do the truffle shuffle and as a viewer you don't know what the truffle shuffle is right right, right. <laughs> so is the is the punchline when he lifts up his shirt and uh-huh. then you're supposed to realize like, oh that's the truffle shuffle right because uh-huh. he's shaking his gut right because he's cause he's fat kid yeah yeah, he's a fat kid. yeah. <laughs> that's that's the joke <laughs> that's what you're laughing at yes yeah, yeah. oh. <laughs> So that that scene also makes me kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> is, um, is it the bullying aspect or the partial child nudity or? <laughs> <laughs> it's it um the, it, the the maybe the bullying a little bit, mm-hmm. but it it's the servitude that chunk <laughs> like displays because he's such like he's let me in right. come on guys. And he's like whining and begging, and then they make him remove his clothing. Right. It's. <laughs> but it's the eighties. I mean, wasn't that just kind of what happens? <laughs> I mean, there there was that kind of culture, though. Like, I mean, around that time, like, I'm... okay. So let's talk about that culture. Okay. <laughs> All right. So am I the only one who grew up terrified of locker rooms? Right. No, I didn't. No, I mean, and I think movies in general were kind of representative of that that you should be terrified of the locker yeah. room. But that's why I was terrified. Sure, absolutely. Because yeah, you yeah. thought someone was going to make you do truffle shuffle? Yeah. Or, yeah, or something much worse. Right. right. I mean, there were some, some like, strange displays of, of um, you know, adolescent, uh, adolescent, he, yeah, go ahead. So even though, like, they are a little abusive to Chunk, Chunk's pretty annoying. And the, he's still part of their team. He deserves it. I'm not saying he deserves it, 
But also, I've never gotten to that point. We're, we're 11 minutes in Frank's victim blame. <laughs> he's also a pathological liar, and the whole premise Stop of Chunk. Stop it. I've never gotten to that point. <laughs> so all I know of Chunk is that he's, he's like... he's Little Corey chubby Fe- kid? Yeah, he's like Corey Feldman's homunculus. Right. Poor fat kid that they're making him dance for their pleasure. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, so I mean, it, like, there were weird things that happened in the locker room, but it wasn't, it wasn't this, you know, what, what, how it's portrayed in the 80s films. It was pretty bad for me was in it? middle school. Oh, yeah. Our locker room was horrifying. Maybe just Elton Middle was more laid back. Yeah, Northeast yeah. was terrible. I, I never had any problems. The, the, yeah, I don't. I don't remember any like major incidents. In a, in a, in I've talked about school. the locker room in middle school and therapy before. So yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. It, it was never That's what I expected awful. it to be like, when we went to school. Like after yeah. like thinking, did they force you guys to shower? They did not. They did yeah, not. See, which they, is a big, they made That's us. Why it wasn't. Yeah, they would stand there and watch us shower. Like they made sure you got wet. Like the the gym yeah. teacher would stand there and watch you naked in this big communal shower, Ugh. and like get under that water. Make sure your hair is wet. And then as you came out, like, he'd, like, touch your head and make sure that you would, like, actually clean. It was awful. Yeah. yeah. This, 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 this podcast gotten <laughs> taken a turn for the worse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I just want to watch some Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Next week I'm going to end up having a breakdown about my father probably. So, um. Um, so, so, I have... I don't think until maybe five years ago, I don't think I even knew what the Goonies was. I had heard the word. I heard the title. Uh-huh. But I didn't have any idea what movie that was. Oh. Not, okay, you, you're talking about the actual movie itself. You didn't know what it was. Like, you understood the Goonies was a movie, but you had no concept of what that movie entailed. Right. Oh, I don't okay. know how you made it through... Do, real quick, do you know... What the Goonies actually is? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. What do you about... think the Goonies? <laughs> what, what do you suspect, like, from what you've seen in the movie? Because you have seen some scenes outside of just the beginning at one sometimes, right? Like, here and there? Um, I've seen... So, I've seen up to when they get to the restaurant. I think when they go downstairs in the basement. Okay. okay. I think I might have seen the... Is his name Sloth? Yes. Yeah. I might have seen the Sloth reveal. Uh-huh. And I... And I've seen some some gold pieces, and then I've seen um, rich stuff. I've seen some, yeah. I've seen some uh, treasure, and uh-huh. I know there's a ship in a cave. Uh-huh. Okay, well, you just watched the whole movie, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty much the extent of my knowledge. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> okay. Um. <coughs> all right. So, you, so the Goonies. Yeah. Think, is the Goonies the name of their gang? Yeah, yeah. I think I saw a T-shirt that implied mm. that the Goonies were right. a gang. Goonies never die. Yeah, yeah. Something right. Like yeah, that. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's so okay. here's my question to you guys. Okay. This is the way I'm trying to think about it. So do I? Do I try to get myself into the mentality of watching this as a as a kid? Oh. No, I don't think you can. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's possible anymore. So do I? It's, but I don't watch it. But I don't want to watch it as a, like as a critical adult. 
Mm-hmm. So maybe try and suspend so, your disbelief a little bit and just enjoy yeah, it. And like, yeah, obviously I can't watch it as a child, but right. but I like I want to go into it, I guess, <laughs> with without any. I want to go into it kind of like expecting the best without any preconceptions about. Could you watch Princess Bride or Raiders of the Lost Ark right now and still enjoy it? Um, fifty percent of those movies. <laughs> so I I didn't see Princess Bride until I was an adult. Uh-huh. But you enjoy Princess Bride, right? Um, I like it. Right. So you'll probably like this. It's it's Richard Donner is a good filmmaker. You know, it's it's a well directed movie. It's got some fun stuff <clears> in it, and like I think that you're not gonna have the same sense of wonder as if you had seen it when you were like seven or eight. Right. But I think you'll still enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have some. I have critiques of this movie. It's like, you know, there's a lot of nostalgia here for me. If I, I'm looking at it critically, like right now, like there's certainly things in this movie that I think are flawed. I mean, if I'm looking at it from a script, I'll, I'll give you my, kind of my, my best analogy. So, you know, mm. over the course of my of Frankie growing up, like we've watched like all the movies I loved when I was a kid. Yeah. And I've seen this in the past, like probably three to five years. I still enjoy watching this movie as an adult, whereas, like, I enjoy it from a nostalgic perspective, but I still appreciate it as a movie. Whereas, like, The NeverEnding Story has, like, a nostalgic appeal, but is an awful movie as an adult. Yeah. Like, it's real tough to watch from an adult perspective, because this is not good. So the only thing about NeverEnding Story that appeals to me is the nostalgia, whereas this, I, like, if I, if this movie came out today, brand new, I still would probably enjoy watching this movie. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, there's movies that I have nostalgic fondness for that um, I absolutely think are terrible movies yeah. as an adult. And this one, I don't think is... I still think it's good. Yeah. When did so, you guys see this movie for the first time? Uh, I, I mean, I would have seen it on VHS probably not long after it came out. So, I mean, it was roughly, what, a year, a year and a half right. before I was you probably see nine. it. So, yeah, I, I would say I was, like, 86, 87. Yeah. Probably it came out. I was definitely in elementary school because we um, we were all talking about it like in in class. Yeah, because all of yeah. us had watched it within like a few weeks of each other. Wow. And yeah. how much we loved the Goonies. Yeah, I would say I was probably in third, third or fourth grade. Did you talk about it in school? Um. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I I, I, I remember Josh Hitter and I watched it and talked about it. I think I only saw. I think I only knew movies that had toy lines. <laughs> like. This has a toy line now. It does. Yeah, Fun, when, Funko did a yeah. series of three and three quarter inch, like Star Wars style figures of um some of the some of the cast members. But yeah, no, I, I saw this at a pretty young age, and there was like a period in my like at one point like in my late teens where I like I saw the goofiness of it and like kind of rejected it. I, I think um, it was like too childish for me as like you yeah, know this you know. I've probably seen this movie a dozen times in my life. Oh, I've seen it more than that, probably. Yeah, maybe. Like, when I was a kid, I used to see this. And then it was on TBS <clears throat> for a long time. How did we never time? talk about this movie before? I, mean, I don't know. How did we, like, Because you, we... you've never seen it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't... Chris is too busy Chris, to talk about Beverly Hills Cop. I, mean, I do talk about Beverly Hills Cop a lot, <laughs> yes. And Big Trouble in Little China back then. <laughs> so... We used to spend every weekend watching movies. Yeah. Over at your house. Yeah. 
But I think by the time we were but doing that, though, we were, we were I was starting to not move past. Right. Stuff. Yeah. We moved past it by that point, I think. Yeah, when you could watch something. I mean, like, we're watching Tarantino and like you right. know, like things like you know. Why would whatever. you go back to Goonies? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when we start watching movies, like you know, it's like ninety two, ninety three, and like by that point, like we're already, you know, like we're already watching The Getaway. <laughs> the, the 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 bald one. The out, yeah, yeah, that version. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they were like, making a list. Have I? Yeah. Oh yeah. I saw it in the theater. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like you know, we're we're, we're interested in different things by that point. Like yeah. you know, I mean, and I, it's just nothing that ever came up. Like I think again, like so, I went through a period where, in my early twenties, where I was totally marking out to anything that was nostalgic, mm-hmm. especially like anything that was explicitly about childhood. Right. Mm-hmm. This movie had a renaissance yeah. around that. Like I would say. The early 2000s, like, it started to come up a lot in conversations among, like, people that were in my peer group, like, at work and stuff, where you would make jokes, like, you would quote lines from the Goonies and everyone would laugh, and then you just start to realize how much you loved it, and I don't know. I mean, I definitely wasn't, like, like, I watched, I, so we had, we had, like, a, like, a, whatever, a television VHS, like, one that was for the TV, and my dad had a um, camcorder that had a VCR on it. So I used to be able to tape movies from one, like, from one to the other. So, I mean, I taped Goonies and probably watched Goonies, like, you know, a number of times when I was a little kid. But then there was, like, a huge gap where it wasn't like I was watching the Goonies. Yeah. Like, I, I think I saw it, like, in, like, my mid to late teens again. And that's when, like, I was like, eh, like, you know, that's really childish, you know, like, because I'm this, like, you know, you know, artsy, like, you know, like, art house, like, you know, indie film, like, you know. Yeah agnostic who like you know is like uh, the world's terrible and like mm-hmm. you know nihilistic so it's like I, at that point like i'm like you know like oh like uh, it's so stupid like you know but it's like uh, i got out of that and then like you know it's like it's a fun movie like you know it's like still like for me like and part of that's nostalgia and part of it i think it's just fun the um the just the the description on this movie um <laughs> <laughs> reads that uh uh, when a group of ordinary kids discover a secret treasure map, their sleepy seaport lives are suddenly transformed into a fun-filled roller coaster ride filled with heart-pounding adventure and peril. Um, and, and and yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun-filled roller coaster ride. Right. It's, it's, that, it's, it's a light, the young, and the young at heart. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. So, all right, are you ready to start this movie? I am very ready. Yep. Okay. All right, we're going to go ahead and stop, and we will be back um, probably about uh, 30 to, uh, minutes into the movie. Hello, everyone. We're back. Um, we're about 47, 48 minutes through the movie, probably about halfway through the second act, I would say, um, where they've just entered the uh, caves underneath of the uh, restaurant. So this is the furthest you've made it into yeah. this movie before? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so before was it when they just got to the restaurant? Is that pretty much around the time? It was pretty much the scene with the doubloon. Okay, all right. I guess I, I guess I have seen some of the interior stuff in the restaurant. Okay, only like walking, like walking past the TV. Okay, all right. Um, so, uh, what are your thoughts so far? Like, you know, what are the things that are standing out to you? Uh, so I, I'm enjoying it so far. Mm-hmm. Um, Corey Feldman is repugnant. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
what what specific what specific things is about uh, yeah sure so so we already talked about the treatment of the housekeeper mm-hmm. uh and the just the non-stop abuse of chunk uh-huh it's pretty awful uh-huh uh yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I guess that's the. I guess those are the main things. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Okay. And I think the the thing that was obvious to me this time watching it, and we commented about it while we were watching it, but the fact that this this truffle shuffle, um, this truffle shuffle like demanding that that chunk pay pay a toll of embarrassment uh-huh. and humiliation is. It's it's obvious that that's something that that happens all the time, right? Yes, <laughs> yeah. Particularly from mouth, I think. Yeah, I think I think it I is. think only from mouth, right? Yeah, because um, Mikey tries to put a stop to it pretty quickly. It seems um, when he realizes what's happening. Yeah. But the way that Corey Feldman tells him to do it <laughs> is like you've done it, you've done it so many times before. Right. You're going to do it again, right? Yeah, there, there, there's definitely something abusive about that character, um, and knowing that he has to get up on the stump yes. to do the truffle shuffle, like that's the only way Chunk gets in the door is by climbing up on the stump. Yeah, it's like yeah, he's well trained. Yes, um, and I guess you have to do like a Rube Goldberg thing to open up their back gate, like every single time. Yeah, it seems that way. Yeah. Um. So what? What else? Um. So this time, I think the setting is not as as off putting as as it has been like when I've watched it previously. Mm. I think that might be that. I, I think that I'm I don't know more engaged with it because I'm watching it with you guys. Uh huh. So, um, you know, I try you know, trying to to give it the best you know, the best chance that I can give it. How do you feel about the plot up to this point? Like, I mean, the basic elements, like the setup for what's going on, like. I've always felt, and this is part of the reason why I kind of tune out, but I've always felt that the, the treasure map and the discovery of the restaurant is the weakest part Hmm. because there's really nothing to it. It's like they, they sort of, arrive at this random location and then he holds up the doubloon and it's a perfect fit and then it's a hundred steps of some size of some other, like unknown size from there is the entrance to the you know to the uh treasure hold mm-hmm. so it's just it's i mean maybe maybe it comes back later maybe there's more with the map later but so far it's you would expect there to be a little bit more complexity in kind of resolving the riddles of the map. Right. This this treasure that's eluded like yeah. <laughs> people for for centuries. Yes. And the Goonies are able to just like, hey, we, just we, stu- we stumble onto we it. We just gotta go down here. Right. <laughs> go to the lowest point. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like we found it and now we just keep going down. Like yeah. <laughs> that's the solution. Um what um so so far you haven't gotten a lot with I guess too many of like the the, the relationships here. It's like um like that that start to like build here, like, you know, especially with Brandon and the I don't even know her name. Do you know her name, Frank? Like uh Kara I'm not interested in that subplot. You know, uh, it starts with an A. 
<laughs> yeah. No. Um, not interested in any any of that subplot whatsoever. No, no, I'm not interested in that yeah. character at all. Um, so, like, now that they're in the cave, well, Chunk is want now yeah. to go try to find the police. Uh, yeah, I like Chunk. He's probably, yeah. I feel I feel bad for him. He's <laughs> constantly getting ridiculed and humiliated. Uh-uh. Uh, but, he, Andy. That's Andy, her name. Andy, Andy okay, is the girl. Right, okay. But, he, he seems to be, he seems to be this, you know, this this person that you can rely on, and uh, I don't know. I mean, what would you guys say about about Chunk? So I'm. I think that's a curious, like, interpret. I, I think it's an interesting interpretation. I think it's more from your perspective as an adult. Yeah. Because I think you're really supposed to feel the same way about Chunk that Mouth does, like really? that he's like annoying and goofy and the butt of the joke, you know, that... That he's, he's just a klutz. Right. A, a, a mis, mismatched clothes-wearing goofy klutz that lies about Michael Jackson being at his house and puts a penis on a statue upside down. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like... Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I'm not sure if you're supposed to have the same reaction as mouth, necessarily, but certainly, I think, like, maybe more like Mikey and Data... Like, you know, where, like, they're kind of annoyed and with them a lot of times, but they at least, like, just, like, keep their mouth shut or just be, like, you know, oh, chunk. Like, you know, right. where um, mouth is certainly more antagonistic, I think, towards chunk. Um, so, here's what I mean about chunk when I say that, is that chunk has absolutely zero pretense um, with with his, you know, the way he presents himself and his behavior in sure. the group. Yeah. yeah. And even if it's even if it's that he's, uh, you know, like pursuing pursuing some sort of food, like food reward, right, right, right. Uh, in the middle of, like in the in the middle of you know some some precarious situation, um, it's it's still, it's like an honest it it's, it's who he is, right, and I, I think. You know, mouth is mouth is the op- opposite of that. Like, mouth is is all um, all bluster appear- and appearance. Yeah, he's all appearance, yeah. and uh, you know he's playing a playing a character, playing a role. And uh, Sean Astin, what's yeah. his name, Mikey. 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 He's just to me, he's kind of a blank slate. Yeah. He, there's not really watching watching it again this time it's like yeah like he there's nothing to that character really like and you don't even really other than his asthma yeah. you don't really get like the idea that like why is he seeking this adventure out like they never even like really f- fully established that he's the adventure seeking type until he is yeah <clears throat> and he's the catalyst for the whole True. thing and he's the the one that pushes them to keep going yeah but it's not it's like he's at the beginning he's reluctant to even admit that there's uh, that they're gonna lose the house right that his dad's gonna be the one to save it uh, but then for some reason after he finds the treasure map it, it's it's all of a sudden he comes to terms with it and decides that he has to be the one to to rescue the family yeah 
don't you think that's kind of like that he's really like more worldly than like even though like mouth is disgusting like he still is like childish but mikey's like more mature in a lot of ways than the rest of them like he understands the i don't know i guess the importance of like actually trying to save or at least making the effort to do so not that there's a whole lot of like characterization things, yeah. but <clears throat> I guess I could, yeah, I guess I could see that. I'm not, um, I think with some of this characterization, there's certainly like you just gotta end up trying to put some of it together yourself, like sure. you know, like with some of it, and there's probably missing gaps, like in, right. in that characterization. I think you kind of make it up just from. Once you've gone through the entire movie, like, you kind of, yeah, if you fill in those gaps just from yeah knowing what happens. And I, I, and I don't think that's what, like, I think Ebert, like, says something along these lines, but it's like, that that's never what this movie is about, like, really, and um, that this is just about packing as much in as possible for this, well, like the tight the, the the summary set of roller coaster ride, like it's just about like you know propelling this plot forward of this adventure, and it doesn't really focus a lot on characterization or you know those kind of things. And I think some of like the details are just kind of lost through the story because you're just supposed to be propelled by mm-hmm. what's happening. Um, but yeah, I, I the only thing I find interesting is I think to some degree, even if the characters themselves aren't really fleshed out very well like some of the i guess archetypes of the characters like you know their kids you kind of maybe knew like when you were growing up and like how well they all interact with one another like they seem kind of realistic where they like in the sense of like talking over one another and talking at the same time and those kind of things and they have in jokes i mean there's yeah, things right, that yeah. they say that you can tell them so i think they seem like a pretty realistic group of friends in that way um, at least, uh, in terms of, like, the way that they talk, you know, like, the, their dialogue with each other and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How do you feel about the Fratellis? Yeah, that's probably the other big piece. How do you feel about the... Fratellis the... are almost non-characters to me at this point in the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. I mean, you're supposed to... I don't even understand what, like, how that, that lady behaved when they came into the restaurant. <laughs> What do you mean, Mama Fratelli? Yeah, Mama Fratelli. Like, what? What do you mean? You don't like well, she? She? She almost. She wants to pretend that there's there's nothing criminal going on, and, right? And she wants to pretend that they have a restaurant, uh-huh. so she forces the boys to sit down. Uh huh. And I don't know why she's going through this charade instead of just kicking them out. And then she just kicks them out right at the end. Don't you think, though, that part of it is that she was hoping that she could get them to leave without them being suspicious of why there's people in this abandoned place? <laughs> she pulled think... a knife out on right. them. <laughs> <laughs> we serve tongue. I, I felt like that tongue. was... Yeah, I felt like that was the intent originally. <laughs> right. But... Within 30 seconds, it became not the intent anymore. Yeah. 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 Um, again, I think it's one of those things that's about propelling the plot forward, probably, right. as opposed to, like, you know... I think it's a movie that it's, like, definitely you can't put too much thought into, probably. Yeah, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm not... I'm only... I guess I'm only bringing that up because we're talking about it. Sure, no, yeah. absolutely, yeah. No, I get it. Like, I mean, it's like... Because we've been making comments throughout, like, why that happened, or yeah. what's, what's going on there, and I think it's definitely one of those movies that, like, um, you could do that with, and... 
so maybe that was the answer to your question before we started, which was like, you know, what kind of mindset do you have to get into? Yeah, yeah, and true. maybe it's like you got to ignore all the shit they didn't care to think of. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they were careful. I mean, certain things they were careful about. But, yeah, it, it is mostly that we have to establish that Corey Feldman can speak Spanish so that that can be used later. In the right, right. Yeah. <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah. Um yeah, and who know yeah, who knows how to develop in the screenwriting process, but can we talk about chunks clothing? Right. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so I love you're, I love chunks outfit. I mean that's probably that might be my favorite thing about the movie so far. Yeah. And the that freaking jacket. I mean like it was good before the jacket, but then the jacket just took it to a whole new level. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the more memorable things, probably. Like, <coughs> I remember exactly how Chunk looks from, like you know, if I hadn't seen this movie in twenty years, you know, it's like I remember that like how he looks. I I think Chunk is supposed to look like an old Jewish man, uh-huh. and I like he's wearing plaid pants. I again, like I think Chunk is supposed to be a joke. Like I think it's it's actually. It's kind of nice that you find Chunk to be like the most likable character because I don't think that that's Richard Donner's intent. Yeah. I think he's like, this is a guy that you're just going to laugh at the whole time while the other cooler kids like actually do the adventure. Yeah. Yeah, but he's the coolest one to me because he's the right. only one who's like, who's his own person. Right, right. He's just yeah. himself. He's just an earnest. But yeah, like, like, like you said, there's no pretense to Chunk. Chunk is just Chunk. Yeah. Right. And again, I think that's probably looking at it through adults' eyes of, like, realizing, like, oh, that's the kid that's actually unique and is just yeah. true to himself. Yeah. Where, like, you know, when you're a child, I think that he's more the off... Right. Maybe the off-putting one because he lies all the time and is cares about nothing but food. and <laughs> playing video games and squishing his donut and his milkshake against right. the, yeah. the window. For the... <laughs> I mean, that's pretty... Yeah, the chunk jokes are... A little heavy-handed, right? <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay. Even, yeah. even the bullets, even the bullets were related to food, right? Matzo balls, <laughs> right? Or yeah, the bullet holes, yeah, yeah, the bullet, yeah. bullet holes, yeah. Bullet holes. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go ahead and um, we will pick back up here probably in about another thirty minutes into the movie. Okay, so we're back again, and we are an hour and 23, 24 minutes into the movie where uh, they have just completed uh, playing the skeleton piano and went down the water slides. Um, so I guess like the two major like developments out of like the second half of the second act is um, one is like the adventure aspects of it as they're going through the caverns. Um, how do you feel about the adventure aspects of it? It's not that interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, it's um, it's just kind of moving from point to point mm-hmm. and just going, you know, like, I don't have any, I don't have any, like, fear or any impression that, that they're in any danger or in any real danger. Mm-hmm. The, the Fratellis, to me, are such non-characters and they're not menacing. They're just, they're sort of, 
just um, bumbling. Uh, yeah, bumbling. I was gonna. Yeah, I was kind of looking for that word. Yeah, so they're just kind of like these bumbling, uh, you know, people that are. It's, it's more like they're following them than pursuing them. <laughs> if that makes any sense, uh, they're just sort of along for the for the ride. Mm-hmm. Right. So I knew that we talked about this before the movie started, and I told you that I didn't think you could watch this like from yeah. the perspective of a yeah. child. Were you a 10, 11-year-old kid, do you think you would look at it differently? Like, having never seen the movie and not, with the perspective of an adult, knowing that they're obviously not going to, like, kill one of these kids. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I just... Okay, so your question is, can I... Do you think that the more intended audience would, like, feel some... Probably. Yeah, I mean, I, that's why they did it, I guess. Can you imagine? Is it possible for you to imagine yourself as like a ten-year-old watching like, this? Yeah, possibly, or just what you were like and what you enjoyed like when you were like younger, like at that age, probably like nine or ten. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd probably have to think about it. To, yeah. To I don't know if I can. I don't think I can. I, yeah. What was I actually interested in? I mean, was it Transformers? Right. And I have a really good memory of the first time I saw this movie that we had gone to the flea market, and I had gotten a big box of like used GI Joes from the flea market, and I was sorting the GI Joes and playing with them while I was watching this, and like started to do like some of the adventure elements from this, yeah. like with my GI Joe characters. Yeah. I mean, I know that, like, as a kid, like, I felt, like, a sense of whatever, like, risk or, yeah. you know, but I had a really active imagination, and I don't know. Like, now, like, again, I've seen this movie at least, like, a dozen times as an adult, and I, I know that there's no risk. I just, I, I kind of enjoy, like, the goofy, I don't know, like, almost like Errol Flynn adventure, Indiana, like, pseudo-Indiana Jones element to it. So I, I do want to talk about the references to other films and influences from other films. Uh, can we talk about that? Sure. So, do you, okay, first of all, let's talk about Sloth. Okay. okay. I feel like that's, that's the other major known. piece of the chunk in the Sloth. Yeah, yeah, right, that's yeah, the other one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what is Sloth? Uh, he's the brother of the two Fratelli boys. He's Mama Fratelli's son. They keep him in. So is he? Is he? Does he just does he have like birth defects? Right. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. like mental, you know, yeah. handicaps as well. Yeah. But superhuman strength as a result, apparently. Right. Um, it's not a very politically correct movie, right? Like, no, I'm, that's not where I'm going with it. So, do you think? Do you draw any parallel between sloth and Leatherface? Maybe. Sure. I don't know. Uh, because for me, he's very reminiscent of Leatherface. I mean, the makeup definitely makes him look like he's wearing somebody else's face over, like, another person's face. Yeah. Yeah. And just the, like, almost non-human, like, noises. and Yeah. Actually, the first time I thought of Leatherface in this movie is when the Fratelli brother, uh, I can't remember his name, the actor, the, the pop-marked one, um, yeah. when he comes out the first time with that. Oh, um, uh, yeah. 
uh, apron on. Yeah. Like, is actually, I thought, like, I wonder, I, I wondered in the back of my mind, like, is that a reference maybe to, like, you know, like, Leatherface or something like that? I mean, because like, he's come up from the printing press. Like, he's got the... Right, yeah, yeah, I understand, yeah. But you don't know that. Like, right, you know, yeah. He's, like, sure. they're yeah. murdering someone right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, or if it was just a kind of meta reference, you know, like, the, in, in some way, like, I wondered. I mean, I think the fact that they make a very distinct Goonie, or, um, Gremlins reference in yeah. the middle of the movie, yeah. like, you know, and it's definitely a Raiders of the Lost Ark-esque, like, with the traps and whatnot, so, it, they, like, the fact that maybe it is Leatherface, maybe. And that's really odd with the Gremlins reference, because isn't Gremlins 84? Like, it's yeah, only a year couple, before this. A couple years before. This is 86, right? 85. But yeah, I, I can continue. I was just but yeah, it was a really popular movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, and there's Raiders of the Lost Ark stuff, and then I mean, there, I mean, because of Spielberg, who's always influenced by a lot of stuff, like you said, you know, you know, talked about like Errol Flynn. Like, there's a lot of stuff involving like swashbuckling, like movies yeah. that are referenced in this. Um, yeah, nineteen eighty four was Gremlins. We were, yeah, we were kind of talking about how the, the skeleton piano scene is reminiscent of. Star Wars and whether in the Death Star, mm-hmm. and like sure. They Luke are escaping, right? And R two yeah. is the one that's manipulating the, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely. I mean, those kind of things like appeal to me as a kid, like the skeleton, like you know, playing sure. the piano and the skeleton thing, and then them right before we stopped playing, like I mean, just the idea of them sliding down like oh, on yeah. a water slide, like you know, like you know, those kind of stuff. That that's the stuff I remember from this movie right. really clearly. Just that sense of, like, it, it, it's an adventure, but it's, like, you're right. Like, there's no risk to these kids. Like, no. it's just a fun, like, ride. Yeah. Yeah, I wish roller I could remember. Roller coaster thrill ride, right? Isn't that what the description Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, fun-filled, fun-filled roller coaster ride. I can't right. Um, but I I wish I could remember what I thought, like, first watching this movie. Because I want to say I bet you the first time I saw this, I thought that there was peril for the kids. The first time. Um, yeah. How about how about uh, the emphasis on Data's accent in this right in this last section? Well, again, like I think that him and Chunk are very clear like stereotypes that are meant to make you laugh because uh, look at the look at the the Jew and then look at the you know the techie Asian guy that's right. can't pronounce words and yeah. I mean, which isn't I mean, this is two years running for him because the year before this he's in Temple of Doom right. Um, and kind of playing a similar role to some degree. and yeah. is, You know, Nazi crazy. Yeah, and it's like certainly like, you know, broken English and it's played for comic effect in that as well. Yeah. Um, for Telly's too, there are Italian stereotypes. Oh, yeah, yeah, There's yeah. a lot of like... Although I, I'll, I'll say this about the one for Telly brother. I, for some reason, I've always loved since I was a kid and I still love it now is like just the character trait. Like, you know, that doesn't have any meaning or relevance to the movie is right. I love that he like sings. Yeah. Like it's it's like one it's one of my like favorite things about that character is that he just goes around like singing all the time. Um, it's like it's and it's so like stereotypical really like for screenwriting because you you look at screenwriting books and it's like and you know you craft out your character and then you just add this one thing that like doesn't make right. sense to him like this one idiosyncrasy. Um, and it's like that's obviously what it is like to add something to the character, but I think it's a good one. I I really have always enjoyed that. What about the chunk scene with um? 
that's that's probably one of the more famous scenes from this movie is the chunk scene where he's like telling yeah the interrogation all, the interrogation scene, scene where he's tell, talking about all of this like the bad things he's done in yeah, his life. I mean, chunk is the best thing about this movie. <laughs> I, I I just I mean, <laughs> so uh, I I think I not as much of that scene, mm-hmm. but the the scene where he he and sloth become friends. Right. <laughs> that that might be. That might be my favorite scene so far. Uh, I I did enjoy all the stories, and I enjoyed how they how they kind of uh, interspersed the other yeah. action that was going mm-hmm. on with that. Yeah. So they kind of kept cutting back to it, and it was getting more and more absurd. Right. <laughs> the puking over the balcony and the I knocked my sister down the stairs and blamed it on the dog. dog yeah. The, the, the delivery of like the knocking the sister down the stairs and blaming him the dog like is is really well done. It's really memorable. This is the the way he elongates like that sentence it really sticks in your head of like you know um, and like he's just like almost like yelling the confession. It's it's something that's like always been in my mind like yeah. that I can remember. Um, the I actually like uh, yeah I uh, sitting here watching I'm like okay like come on like you know with the action adventure stuff honestly like I mean. Uh, at this point in time in my life, but, um, the editing is, like, really inconsistent, like, where it's times they do, there's editing where I think, like, oh, that's actually pretty well done, and there's times where it's, like, that's the most obvious shot or, like, editing sequence that I've seen, like, so it's really inconsistent where it's just, like, really blah, and then, then it's really well executed for a sequence, like, I, I find it, um, I find it really inconsistent. From He's a, um, Spielberg's editor, the guy that edited it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Spielberg's producer on this, right? Is yeah. Cl- Close Encounters. He also wrote the story. 1941 Raiders, yeah. Polter, or Poltergeist. Me. Color Purple. Oh, really? Okay. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. So, what were your thoughts about about um, like Sean Astin's appeal to the group to stay on the quest? It's funny because, like, every time I see it now, like, I have this nostalgic love for that speech, mm-hmm. but it never makes any sense. And every time I see it now, like, I'm looking for <laughs> some kind of sense where it's, like, up there, it's their time. Yes. Their down time. Here, it's there. our time. It's our time, Dad. Yeah. And the fact that he has to repeat it. <laughs> Reverse like, the words. Well, right. Yeah. Time. It's like, <laughs> it's like Mikey's took a, um. Like a like speech writing class or something. Um, like I mean, I think it's more about the passion of like trying to appeal to their like we we can still do this rather than what he's actually saying. I I, I would be interested. It's, a, it's, yeah, it's an appeal to unity. Is right. like you know, it's like you know, like we need to stick together and like yeah yeah. I'd be interested to see like when they wrote this if they felt like there was some meaning behind it or whatever because it really is like nonsensical yeah i love the fact that he like <laughs> sucks on that inhaler afterwards like it's his victory like you know like so this was this was pre-blue velvet right or was this uh, uh, it's, a, it's a year before blue velvet yeah 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 this has he thinks yeah he thought it was like a subtle reference to the hopper with the, with the or maybe hopper is a reference to the goonies <laughs> I, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past Lynch, but... I, here here would be a good question. Has Lynch ever seen the Goonies? <laughs> He's got kids, right? You they think, would have been like, you think they young... watched the Goonies? Yeah. Hmm. 
I'm sure. Not even above the know the, the answer to that. I, bet I definitely don't. Think I don't think David Lynch has never seen this. Like a pretentious guy when it comes to like what he watches. I think he oh, enjoys cinema. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. I mean, his influences are very um, like 1950s drive-in, you know, mm-hmm. like movies. So yeah. I think this might appeal to him something like yeah. this. I just know that. Well, I think I told that story on the podcast, but it's like. He had a hard time understanding Star Wars, like in Lucas and stuff like that, like right. and all that stuff. So it's like it makes me wonder yeah. if yeah, he maybe. would maybe the nostalgia aspect of like you know like Spielberg's riff that he always does with all of his movies, like from around this time, with like you know the idealism of childhood and all that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe that would appeal to Lynch. Possibly yeah. that's that's possible, but um, um, yeah, I'm not sure. So you were enjoying it for the first third. Now that we're through the second third, are you still enjoying it? Uh, so, I, 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 I think we took a hit. I think we're in the trough <laughs> of disillusionment right now. Right. Um, powerful, powerful third act coming up here. <laughs> the the, the denouement is going to get you. I, I, I mean, so the the stuff that I liked in this in this part. Um, Mostly the chunk stuff. Yeah, I enjoyed the sloth stuff. Uh, I I just I I don't care for the at least right now at this point in my life I I don't care for the um, the mechanical kind of step connect the dots type right. storytelling that's going mm-hmm. on in the cave. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah, although I did feel that sequence, like, that 40, roughly 40 minutes, much quicker than the first, like, 47 minutes. Like, um, <clears throat> um so. All right, we're going to go ahead and stop, and we'll finish the movie here. Okay, we're going to jump in real quick, because Frank has asked Mike what his, is it what the expectation is? I want to know what, what the expectation is. So they're on the ship inside the cave. Predict what happens from this point forward in this movie. Step by step. You can just say uh, you can do it general. You can if you've plotted it out that much, I'll I'll take that. Okay. Uh, I think Sloth has to come in and rescue. Like he has to. There has to be some sort of, um, some sort of event where Sloth arrives on the scene and it basically like saves them from the fatalities. Okay. And they have to discover the treasure. Uh, do they sail? I, I think they sail the ship. Um, I see the fratellis kind of, I, 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 <laughs> I imagine them in a cartoonish scene where they're sitting kind of, uh, they've been captured and and tied up, and they're they're like, you know, have a have a look of, of defeat and like a Scooby Doo villain desperation on their face. Yeah, like right. yeah, exactly like a Scooby Doo villain. Like I'm yeah. seeing them, you know, being uh, like tarred and feathered. And tied <laughs> <up>. <laughs> um, but not. But but by some sort of like Rube Goldberg mm. type set of events that ends up with them, you know, like all falling into the same barrel and getting stuck in it <laughs> or something like right. that. 
Yeah. Um, let's see if there are any other characters. Uh, Josh Brolin's romance will probably be resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean you don't think she like actually ends up with Mikey? <laughs> she, what happened to Corey Feldman, by the way? <laughs> you mean how he's just disappeared yeah. from this movie? Yeah, yeah. Like, as soon as they got <laughs> as the, the last appearance that he that he had was where he basically dove back into the water to get the the coins from the wishing well. Well, he almost fell into the pit. He almost fell into the pit too. But yeah, other than that, yeah, yeah. like during the first mess up on the on the piano, he almost falls in. They have to grab him. But it's still other than that. He's more creepy one liners during the down moments (laughs) as opposed to like driving the action forward. (laughs) Right. Mouth doesn't really do all that much. Yeah. Uh yeah, so I mean I, I, Scooby Doo villain is a good is a good um, analogy, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah. Do, do, do they do they save the Goondocks? Is the Goondocks where they live? Did yes. you know that it was called the Goondocks? I yeah, I had heard that <laughs> said a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cynical. <laughs> Well, Dana's got to go to Detroit. Point. What? Dana's got to go to Detroit. <laughs> oh, so you know, Goonies never die. Right? They never say die. They never. So, oh, they never say die. <laughs> Nobody ever said a Goonie can't, can't die. die. <laughs> right? I'm but sure at some point. I, I mean, I could see it going either way. I could see it. I could see them breaking up at the end, but they kind of walk away with this memory hmm. or like the end of um the breakfast club like just a fist in the air yeah something like that <laughs> to what, what, what's the city good enough for me i've never seen that movie you never seen the breakfast club <laughs> <laughs> jesus hold on hold on I, real quick i just need to I've find seen out a little bit of it okay have what john Hughes movies have you seen Ooh. do you know What's the one with Judge Reinhold? Is that a John Hughes movie? Fast Times at Richmond, huh? Yeah. Um, no, that's, no. that's not John Hughes. Give no. me some John Hughes movies. Oh, um, Pretty in Pink? I've seen... Is that the one with the... Ducky? ducky? Mm-hmm. John Cryer? I think yeah. I've seen the last scene of that movie. Uh, some Kind of Wonderful? Uh, some Kind of Wonderful, yeah. No. So. Ferris, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Several times. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, Home Alone? Is that John Hughes? No. Yeah. no. Um, planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I think he produced it. No, he, he wrote or... Uncle Buck, is that John Hughes? I've seen 1% of the movies that you guys have seen. Okay. What was the other one? Uncle Buck, right? Is Uncle Buck, yeah, that is him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Pretty in pink, 16 Candles, yeah. yeah 16 is, candles. There, is there anything else that needs to be predicted here? I mean, I, I, no, I, I think you did a good I, job. I, no, I think you, I'm curious I think, about I think, what happens to Sloth after... After this whole, you need you, you need a out. you need like a like a coda that has like sloth, yeah. like yeah, five okay. years later, <laughs> sloth and chunk, yeah, right. That'd be a good adventure. Okay, I, I think you get some. Yeah, yeah, you, you're fine. Yeah, okay. All right, we're gonna go back to the movie. Okay, so you were pretty accurate. Like you know, you were almost like you know a few inches away from getting the barrel prediction almost <laughs> exactly right. Just the pin falling the barrel. <laughs> yeah, instead of just crushing the barrel. So, um, I, yeah, yeah, I might, I might have 
I might have seen that before at some point and just, you know, kind of had a latent memory. I don't mm. know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you were, you, you were, you were pretty accurate overall. Um, so what, what do you think now by the end of like watching the whole thing? I like the last segment much better than the middle segment. Okay. And I think primarily the, the setting was much more interesting visually you know the the story actually progressed beyond mm-hmm. the you know the, the staged adventure and uh, you know they, they sort of it was it was just an actual that was a lot of, it was just a much more satisfying part of the movie I guess by, by design sure yeah. You mean by the setting? You mean like the big cavern and yeah, like the ship and from everything? Yeah, yeah, this cavern. Everything mm-hmm. like after they come out, after they emerge from the slide, the big cavern, the big pirate ship, all the stuff that's on the pirate ship, the dead pirates, mm-hmm. the weapons, the the jewels, and all of that. Yeah, that was that was a lot more visually interesting than than rocks and, and caves. Right. Because I was pretty tired of looking at rocks and caves. <laughs> sure. By the time you got, by the time we got to that point. Sure. Um. Yeah, I think I think it's a pretty good set piece overall. Like the final, you know, 20, 30 minutes or so. Um. What 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 about the 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 conclusion? Like to like sort of for, for Telly's, like you know, is that satisfying in any way? The most satisfying thing to me is sloth and chunk. Okay. <laughs> right. That just out of nowhere, chunks like sloth. You're gonna, you're just gonna come live with me now because yeah. I love you. Like yeah. all he's done is eat pizza with his family, but <laughs> but chunks decided that that's what's gonna happen. So let so let me ask you, that scene. Do you think that that was supposed to be played for laughs? No, I think it's supposed to be no. like moving, touching. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, like I believe the. Just Sloth is gonna. That, that's the idea of this movie. Is Sloth's gonna go a little bit chunk now? Yeah. When when Chunk and Sloth come to rescue them, Chunk doesn't like screw anything up or he's not klutzy like any time after. Yeah, that. They, when he yeah. when he drops down, like he falls like, a little you know, bit, a little bit. But it's like he's not like fuck. he's also like holding a knife in his mouth. Sure, yeah, he's not fucking anything up, right? Like, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's supposed to be like Chunk's like coming of coming of age moment, and I don't know whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so vague that you just have to kind of make it up for yourself, but I don't think it's meant to be funny. I think it's meant to be, like, touching. Okay. That everybody everybody that wants, that should be together is together, you know. Which, for some reason, includes Mouth and... Um, that was unexpected. Martha Plumpton. Yeah, character. Martha Plumpton. Yeah. yeah. Out of nowhere. Martha Plumpton, is that the actress? The actress, yeah. the thing, yeah. I actually like her character. Yeah. yeah. She's probably, the like, one of the more likable. Yeah, she's kind of relatable. Right. Mm-hmm. She's a little bit of an observer. Yeah, um, a little bit of a cynic. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I mean, watching it again, I was like, and then not even watching it again. It's like I think I knew this for a long time. Like, the the last like five minutes of that movie with all of them like on the beach is like just the most. It's pretty absurd. It's like, incredibly absurd. Like in terms of like just the sequence of events, all like you know, um, you know, coming together. Like in terms of them being rescued, and then you know, and then you have the 
Rosalita? Right, and the fact that that they even show up to collect the money, like on the beach, it's like the fact that Mal, who's been like absolutely fluent in Spanish the entire movie, can't understand Ferme all of a sudden. Pen? No pen? (laughs) Like it just, it's. Yeah, he. What does he say? He he says it's very sexual torture devices earlier right, in the movie, but right. it's like he doesn't know the word for right. He's translating <laughs> like the word "ye" from Spanish into like English. I, I mean, I speak Spanish. I don't know what "ye" is. So I don't know. It's, it's like all those things at the end. Yeah, I, don't know. It, I mean, it's, it's just, the most heelish thing in the world for these like guys to show up on the beach right. after their children have been rescued it's like time to sign the papers Walsh. Right, I'm the richest man in the story. <laughs> now, now that your children are here to see you humiliated. <laughs> and then uh, Dad Walsh like having problems like ripping that paper apart. <laughs> There'll be no signing today right? or ever. Yeah. For like what? Like what? For- like, like $15 in jewels? Like, it's, like, it's like eight jewels. That always bothered me that, like, the marble bag is, like, this yeah. big thing and it, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's diamonds or whatever, so maybe... It always bothered me that, like, you know, here's this, like, you know, responsible guy who <laughs> sees some jewels come out of a bag and is like, <laughs> we're saved, like, you know, right. and just rips up the contract yeah. and, like... Like, it's like he just wholeheartedly believes that like those are real and like everything's solved and, <laughs> yeah it, it's, a, it's it's an absurd ending you really do have to suspend your disbelief sure I mean but it, I really like the ending I really I, don't have any problem right. with that yeah yeah, yeah. It, it wraps up all the plot lines it sure does I, no single, I really I really enjoy thing. it as absurd I actually like it because of its absurdity probably to some degree yeah um so, so overall, you enjoyed watching it. Like, oh, we did forget the one part that we everybody reacted to, which is um, uh, Andy telling Mike, Mikey that. Well, parts of you that don't work so good. Catch right. up with your lips. We'll catch up with the parts of you that do. do. Right, right. So the parts of him that do are the lips. Yes, <laughs> referencing the earlier kiss. That the parts of him that don't is his asthma. Yes, which, maybe. I'm but, assuming, but, which is his lungs. Like so. But, you, but the first part of that, the first part of that was if you keep kissing girls that the, way, right? Then the parts of you that don't work so good, right? So Are he going, has to keep kissing the girls. <laughs> so if he keeps kissing girls, <laughs> <laughs> so kissing girls is going to cure the asthma, right? Yes. Okay. Kiss, I mean, she wasn't portrayed as a particularly smart person anyway in the movie, but I mean, that's it's a really weird, it's a really weird way to end that whole thing. Uh, and, then, and then Josh Brolin with the intimidation kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's the intimidation kiss? It's right after that. So she says that line. She gives that line to uh, Mikey. And then she walks right over to Josh Brolin and he gives it to her. <laughs> and Mikey, Mikey's like crestfallen. But he just throws his inhaler away at that point. Oh, does he? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, maybe he's not. He goes, he goes to put it up to his mouth and he looks at it and he, I, I can't remember what he says specifically, but he just oh, I was so, chucks it. I was so zoned in on Josh Brolin. <laughs> right. His intensity. I mean, it was, an, it was intense. Yeah. <laughs> 
and then he carries that intensity. Well, that's when they show up, like to get him to sign the papers. That intensity carries through when he goes, tries to go after Troy, Troy, and Troy's dad. Troy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Andy, you goonie. <laughs> so yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. Mm. I would. I'm not sad that I didn't experience it as a kid. <laughs> But she said, "Um, you said your daughter likes it. She does like it, yeah. So, I mean, do you see like like the appeal to like I guess like a child then in it? Yeah, sure. I think it's especially that whole the whole aspect of the 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 fact that the, the underground setting is they try to portray it as being truly underground, of, right?" Of the reference points in the town, which makes yeah, absolutely no sense. It doesn't make like, any sense because they're out on a on a beach, cliff right? And then they're walking for like restaurant. They're walking for four a minutes. Defunct restaurant, right. that's never with like the entirety of like the city's sewer oh, yeah. and water system. Yeah, there's like a golf course above right. them all of a sudden. I yeah, know. I don't know, but <laughs> and then like and then yeah, so that part of the movie was extremely silly to me. The whole slapstick <coughs> the slapstick um, plumbing right segment where the like the men were in the showers and the, and like yeah. the showers were like, caving in yeah I mean really the whole point of that right is to have Troy like reading guns and ammo on the toilet right. get shot into the ceiling <laughs> well that is the punchline right. yeah I, yeah I, watching it again it's like that's certainly the flattest thing in the movie is the slapstick yeah. Like to me. Like yeah. um But I think see, I and I but I think I felt that to some degree in some of those instances, I think I felt that way when I was younger still. Like where some of that slapstick didn't appeal to me. I really liked the slapstick when I was a kid. Really? Like I always yeah. remember like I always thought that the the the, the Troy thing looked weird. Like the way they filmed it. Like, oh, I was, was like so happy to see that kid like get his come off. <laughs> yeah. And then like um when the when the Fratelli brothers like like basically like neuter themselves on the log, uh-huh. and my mom's really like, "Oh, yeah, like, I, I do remember like that stuff." That always made me laugh really yeah. hard. Uh huh. No, I, I I agree. I never understood. So like at the end when she's cutting them down from where like sloth has hung them in like whatever yeah. like the mast of the ship, she seems surprised that she does. They fall and it hurts them. Like yes. that, even though she's like cut it with a sword instead of like untying it, that like somehow it's it's a surprise that it was not a good idea. Mama Fratelli is not very bright. She's not. She's not. Um, I, I kind of wish... Like, I think they could have played it to where it was more menacing if Mama Fratelli was a bit more menacing yeah, at times. But they didn't give her enough screen time, it seems to me. I think they it, it felt like they were trying to. Right, and it just didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, because I really like Anne Ramsey a lot. But, um, yeah, like watching it again, they don't really give her... A lot of meat or screen time. It's interesting because, like, you know, and we, we talked about the references before. Like, they reference Gremlins specifically. Mm-hmm. Gremlins actually has a feeling of menace in it, like, when you're watching it. Like, and I think they both appeal to the same age of kids. But you're right. Like, the Fratellis are never menacing. Mm-hmm. Even, like, the traps, you know, aren't menacing in the place. They're just kind of... They're actually kind of, like, really lame in hindsight. Like, all the traps that Willie has set up. Although, when I was a kid, I was, like, really sure. impressed yeah. with the whole Rube Goldberg nature of everything. But... Yeah. I don't know. 
Maybe just it was meant by Spielberg and Donner to like truly appeal to like young children. I think absolutely it is because like watching it now, like you know, at this age, it's like all I can see is how the set. I'm I'm consciously thinking about how the set pieces work and like the like the how the staging of it all works, like you know and what those things are made out of and all that kind of stuff where it's like, I didn't think anything about like that right. like when I was a kid, you know, but it's like, now I'm thinking like, you know, those big boulders that fall down. It's like, I was thinking about like, okay, how big does that space need to be? Like, you know, that they had this on a stage and like, you know, and like, I was thinking about all those elements as I'm watching it. And I, I certainly didn't think about those things. Well, I mean, I did. assume that they just reused like the same sets, like several times, just rearranged elements of them. Sure. But I was also thinking about how fun it must have been for those kids, like, as actors and stuff like that, to, like, have, like, all this, like, you know, cool shit, like, built for right. them almost, like, to to film these scenes and everything. Did you catch when they're being interviewed at the end, Mike, that, um, I think it's Data, sa- or no, Chunk says the octopus was crazy or something that like that? Data, I think, yeah. Do you, did you, like, wonder, like, what that meant? I thought that that was, I thought that that was, um, Data the story like telling a tall tale was it a cutscene? yeah so there's yeah, a okay. scene in the movie uh, when they get into the water where an octopus like attacks them okay. and they have to fight free from the octopus um that they cut because it's absolutely ridiculous because there's yeah. no other like monstrous right. thing in the movie um but yeah so which is funny that they wouldn't have like reshot that scene or or yeah. right yeah, yeah. Cut it. or right. right or just like kind of like manipulated the audio in some way yeah yeah, it makes no sense, like, yeah. whatsoever. It's a, it's dumb. I mean, I remember thinking that when I was young about the octopus, and I was like, you, you it would have made sense if it was Chunk. Like, you know, right. like, exaggerating. Yeah. But, you yeah. can watch it on YouTube, like, the from the DVD scene. version, because mm-hmm. they have it. Um, it's terrible. Like, it's not a good scene. It makes sense that it was cut from the movie. Mm-hmm. But um, I always thought it was funny that they left the line in there. Has, Al- uh, has Alana watched it a lot? Do you know, like, a lot. Mu- like, multiple times, or? Um couple times yeah okay yeah so my nephew i guess i guess my wife watched it with my nephew a lot when he was little okay because they do the whole like whenever we have a a holiday dinner and we have whipped cream Uh uh-huh like my nephew will invariably do the chunk i'm so depressed (laughs) bit Uh uh-huh which is funny that's really good yeah that's really funny. Yeah. So, you know, we, we you, you've said a few times other things you haven't seen. Like, to me, The Goonies is one of the best examples of, like, family adventure. And I think that, like, the stretch of, like, the late 70s with Star Wars through, like, the early 90s with Home Alone has, like, at least, like, probably like, 20 examples of great, like, family adventures. So, within that, like, because I know some of those things you haven't seen, like, where do you think it falls in that and... Like, because this, this is actually on the National Film Registry is like an important or like historically important or aesthetically pleasing film. Like, this is a preserved film. So, so, so we talked about The Princess Bride earlier. Right. You mentioned Star Wars. Yep. Are you including Indiana Jones? I think the Indiana Jones movies. I think the Back to the Future movies. Okay. I think um, there's some minor movies too. Stuff like War Games and Teen Wolf. The Explorers, Teen Wolf, sure. Flight, um, Flight of the Navigator. No, Teen Wolf. Anything with Michael J. Fox, except for like maybe Bright, Bright, Bright Lights, Lights, Big, Big City. City. Yeah. 
Which probably or the secret forgets. of my success. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Or Casual is the one. Yes. Probably not good for kids either. Or Frighteners. Frighteners is in the midnight. Doc Hollywood? Yeah, Doc Hollywood is a little too late. Yeah, it's still a little too late. Yeah, that's not Doc that's also kind of risque. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Basically two movies. <laughs> yeah. So. All three Back to the Future movies. <laughs> all three of those. Well, Team, Wolf, Wolf, Team Wolf. Yeah. So Team Wolf. What about Team Wolf 2? Nah. <laughs> I would have to. So it might be worth at some point talking about what movies I have seen. And and which ones I did like as a kid. Right. Yeah. Teen Wolf is one of them. You like Teen Wolf. Loved mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Loved it. Yeah. Wanted to be a werewolf. <laughs> so I, I think that like I feel the same way I felt the same way about this movie when I was a kid that I felt about Teen Wolf, which is like I wish I was with that group yeah. of kids having an adventure. Yeah. And I wish I was standing on top of a van surfing around the city because of Teen Wolf. <laughs> Styles is who you associate yourself with? No, isn't that Michael J. Fox that's on top of the van? Oh, no. Styles is driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be the one like surfing on, right? The, you know, yeah. He was so awesome. And be a werewolf. Um, yeah, I totally understand that. I mean, I just I, I feel like I feel like more modern movies are either condescending in the way they're done or. They don't take it seriously that they're trying to make a movie that appeals to everyone. Like, I look at the Spy Kids movies specifically, because I hate those movies, mm-hmm. as something that ideally is the same thing as The Goonies, but just falls so flat because it's like, it's just so blatantly for children that you can't, like, really, I don't think, draw any, like, enjoyment out of it. But I love, like... Like, these are my favorite kind of movies. Like, I, I love The Goonies because I think you can watch it and feel, like, a sense of, like, you know, childlike enjoyment and watching just, like, a silly adventure. I think this movie and, like, a lot of other ones around this time period had a lot more heart than sure. things do now. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, where do you rank it? In terms of what? Like, the movies you were talking about. like um, Top ten. Top five, maybe even. Yeah. The only thing I like more than this, and again, that's a lot of nostalgia in yeah. there. Um, I would put Gremlins above this. Okay. Um, I would put. Do you include Ghostbusters? Yeah, I would put Ghostbusters above this. Like a movie that it doesn't necessarily have to have kids, but that, like, you could take your kid to and watch it and still have a good time watching it. Um, yeah, I have to really think about that. Princess Bride, I think, definitely is. Princess Bride might be my favorite, but. I love Goonies. I'm always surprised when somebody says they haven't seen Goonies. And I've probably shown Goonies. Like, uh, the first Back of the Future is really, really high for me. Yeah, that's the a really good movie. I'm, I'm not a fan of the second or the third one. Like, I, like I mean, the they're fine. They're fine. The like, But it's like, I'm not a huge fan of them. Um, I really like Home Alone, too. I like, there's weird ones. Like, Lady Hawk, I think, is a really good, like, family adventure movie. Um, I think, like, like, War Games, I think, is a really good family adventure movie. I'm not a yeah, I'm not a fan of war games. Um, like overall, like it's Cloak fine. And again, it's fine. Cloak and Dagger, I loved as a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cloak and Dagger is like one of those like hidden gems to me. It's probably terrible if I watched it now. I don't know. If, oh, I, 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 I mean, I haven't seen Cloak and Dagger in probably like thirty. Yeah, I haven't seen it since thirty, probably like eighty-seven years. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, my first introduction to Dabney Coleman, I think though, probably maybe nine to five. That's a funny landmark. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. Popping, popping that Dabney Goldman cherry. Uh, I have a fondness for Dabney Coleman. You really do. <laughs> Where's that? Why? Because of Man Man the People? Yes. Because <laughs> I watch that show. I don't even know what that is. Not just because you watch that show, because you like developed a whole script around a. a is that where that developed from? Really? Well, it's Bad Man with Cart People. Yeah. But I just, I just I stole just, the name. I just a joke yeah, I think name. it was just a joke on the name. Probably. You know, Dabney Coleman was in War Games, too. Yes. I just, there's something about that. I don't know what it is. It, it makes me feel icky thinking about that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what that's about. Like, yeah, War Games. I mean,. I feel the same way. I mean, the only relation is Broderick, but I, mean, I feel the same way about uh, was it uh, Project X? Oh God! Um, although that movie made me cry when I was a kid because I yeah. didn't, I didn't understand them. I did, I wasn't oh, old enough to understand them. Short releasing circuit. the uh, uh, monkey back in the jungle. <laughs> I thought he should keep the monkey, but um, I think Short Circuit is on that list. I love Short Circuit. Short Circuit's a great. I movie. I loved that movie as a kid. I yeah. Seen it. Yeah, and actually, like, I have a more of a fondness for Short Circuit, too. I don't know. I, and it's a worse movie. <laughs> your, mom a, your mom is a snowblower? Is that in the first one or the second one? It's probably both, actually. Right. Um, the second one is pretty derivative. Although, the second one gets crazy, because that's, that's when... Cold, yeah. yeah, that's when, like, he, like... When he, like... And he has the mohawk. <laughs> like, he has, like... He's got, like, patches and, like, the mohawk and the gold and does, like... And they play, um... Oh, what's that song? I need a hero. Yeah, <laughs> and and he, and he like uses a suction cup to swing himself to like save everybody. That's awesome. It's amazing. What um? What do you think oh. about the score? To Goonies? Well, I have to ask okay. Chris a question. So, what was your f- first Fisher Stevens experience? Um, I should know that. It might. It's probably. It probably is short circuit. It has to be. Yeah, <laughs> what else is Fisher Stevens? Probably doing? it's probably some kind of CW show. I was gonna say Law and Order. Uh, that's that's <laughs> that, that could be it, but it's like it's probably some sort of you know what? Actually, it's Lost. He was in Lost oh, okay. in like one of the later seasons. Fisher Stevens was um played a crazy guy on like a boat out in the water, uh, and that was probably the last time I saw Fisher Stevens. That was his character. He was on a boat. I, I just didn't want to go into the details. <laughs> I, I, for all I know, Lost I, could get away with having a character that was a boat on the water. Or a man in a boat. The, the, the character's a boat? <laughs> Those two okay. characters. Um, Frank asked about the score. The score. Yeah, yeah, what do you think about the score? I thought the score was pretty good. Yeah. It was... Um, got a little bit monotonous after... Sure. I mean, there's a lot of repetition to it, right? The same themes over and over, but but yeah, I like it. I like, it reminds me a little bit of Flight of the Navigator. It's that '80s, you know, '80s fantasy, '80s fantasy, sci-fi fantasy score. Yeah. yeah. It it actually it reminds me a lot of the Neverending Story score, especially yeah. like when they're looking at the map, like when they first discover the doubloon, is almost exactly the same as when um. Bastion is in the attic in Neverending Story of the school, like, mm. reading the Neverending Story. You know, like, he's, like, yeah, I remember 
yeah, it's it's very similar like that music. So. Why do you think there are so many movies with kids around the 80s? Because I'm sitting there thinking about it. I'm thinking about it more and more. Like Peanut Butter Solution, which was a, I liked yeah. as a kid a lot. What's your question? Why do you think there's so many movies like with kids, like specifically like in the 1980s? I think that... Because that doesn't happen in the 70s or the 90s. So, like, I mean, it's a market. But I think that that market's been lost more recently to stuff like the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon where you mm-hmm. have basically like... 16 hour a day programming that can be geared towards sure. that age bracket so whereas we would have to go to the movies and like that would be a thing and what did you have like a couple hours in the afternoon and saturday morning cartoons really that sure. yeah like now that there's so much that can just be geared towards kids that plus you're getting at least two i guess at this time you're getting at least two for the price of one by the child has to bring a parent with sure them, you know so yeah. Yeah, there's more marketing. And you have to make it entertaining to the parents as a result. Like, so you appeal to the kid, but still, you know. I have, I have another. So how much of the how much of that stuff has been replaced by animated movies, specifically CGI? It's probably sixty, probably seventy to eighty percent, maybe more than that. It seems like every every movie that comes out that's directed at a child audience is a CGI movie, right? Yeah. Very, very little. It's more like preteen and teen where it gets to be live action again. Mm. Um, but yeah, most things like our Pixar, they're not, not even like animated, they're CGI animated, I guess. Yeah. So not even like traditional. Yeah, traditional doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. In feature films. Um, yeah. Unless you like. There's. Right. There's stuff that's. But I don't. I don't. I mean, there's. I've seen a couple of European. I mean, there, so the Nutcracker movie that just came out is live action. Um, do you know about that? The Nutcracker and the Four Kingdoms of Christmas or some shit? Uh, I heard a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, it looks awful. But it's like an extrapolation on the Nutcracker suite with like action, adventure, and swashbuckling. Um, and that's geared towards like kids. The Narnia movies, right? Like that's another example of the bat from the past like sort of decade. Sure. But... There's people. Yeah. I have a question for you. Do you think uh, Dave Kerr liked this movie or not? He found it... There were things that he liked, but that it was overall like unsatisfying or something. Okay. It's a mostly negative review, is yes. my guess, from Dave Kerr. Yes. Uh, he more... likes the fact that it pays homage to... Movies from like the 30s and 40s, and it has elements of an adventure, but ultimately it goes nowhere with no characterization, and the plot like ultimately doesn't matter. Something like replaced that. editing with the, the plot with editing, and you pretty okay. much got it. But um, he says more puberty blues from producer Steven Spielberg in a children's adventure film so overloaded with Freudian imagery that the good doctor himself might feel embarrassed. A bunch of 13-year-old boys penetrate a secret cave in search of a wow. treasure when they aren't squeezing through tight places or being doused with water. They're castrating statues or kicking villains in the crotch. References to Mark Twain, the Warner Brothers swashbucklers, and the Our Gang comedies hover in the background. But despite these honorable sources... 
It's a charmless exercise. Right. Director Richard Donner turns the kids into shrieking ferrets, and his jumpy cutting seems to lag behind the action deliberately in a curious attempt to make the film seem more chaotic and cluttered. The usual Spielberg rhetoric about the sanctity of childhood and the beauty of dreams seems um, uh, wholly false in this crass context, which even includes a commercial in the form of a rock video for Italian merchandise. Right, so like the 30 seconds of Cindy Lauper in the beginning, I guess, is... <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, I, I don't know. I don't what know. a pervert. <laughs> that is a really strange interpretation. Right. Yeah, Dave... You've heard us talk about Dave Kerr. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Dave so, Kerr's a monster. Yeah, Dave, <laughs> Dave Kerr never has the opinion you really expect him yeah. to have. Like, Or he has the opinion, exact opinion you expect him to have almost, but it's like it's never in the way you expect it. I don't think... I think I've just gotten really good at knowing, like... I think, I, I think I'm in Dave Kerr's head. Yeah? Yeah. Or he's in mine, one of the two. But, like, I think we've melded somehow where, like, I just know what Dave Kerr thinks. Yeah. And it's never like, and like nothing is ever good enough for Dave Kerr. Yeah, no, it's not. Like it's like I, I, I've yet to read a wholly positive review of something like something that he just absolutely really likes a lot. What like was the most positive. It's something we watched. He liked. Uh, it was something in the most depressing movies. I, maybe it was Five Easy Pieces. Yeah, something like that. Like yeah. Um, I don't know. He see, he seems to have a fondness for me to nineteen seventies like. Um, cult or um like oh, respected yeah. films of the 70s yeah. a lot of times yeah. like yeah. it's it's almost like once it moved past that he was just like done with i don't know how you found him but like seriously he's become one of my least favorite people <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a top critic that's always listed on um on rotten tomatoes and then yeah i want to meet him um i saw him actually write a review for something we have upcoming here soon that was a um that was in the Chicago Tribune rather than the Reader, and it's a long form review, and um, it's just as awful as the short form reviews. Um, that was pretty long, actually, for a Dave Kerr review. Right, that for, was really for the long. Reader. Like, like normally they're only like five, six sentences, and like that was like 10, 11. Okay. Yeah, must have um, really felt strongly about the Goonies. Yeah, right. Uh, okay, any final thoughts whatsoever? Um, I I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. I, think that it lagged for me in the middle but mm. um i could definitely see i could definitely like see the idea of it being being appealing as a kid's fantasy and um yeah yeah i'm glad i finally watched it right glad i could watch it with you and, yeah thanks yeah. for inviting me right um, and we'll have to figure out maybe some more movies at some point that you haven't seen from the 1980s. There's um, right. Yeah. Have you, did you ever decide if you, which Raiders lost there, if you saw Raiders or if you saw Temple of Doom, if you know which I think one. That you and I watched Raiders one time. Okay. Or maybe, maybe. Did it have a lot of, um, really racist stuff towards, um, Indians? The that one that you watched? Familiar. That does sound very Is so. that the one with the, with the, the boulder in the cave? No. Nah. That's the first. That's, that's, that's Raiders. Raiders of Lost Ark. That's Raiders. Okay. Do you yeah. know Kalima, Kalima, Shaktide, Om Nom I think I've seen Om the Nom part Shabbat. where someone, someone rips out a heart. Yeah. yeah. That's Molaram. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Temple, Temple of Doom. Doom. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I've seen that part, but I don't think I've seen that whole that movie. movie. Okay. I think I have seen the whole, all of Raiders. 
Raiders. We've also Whatever. made that joke for yeah for decades now. So yeah, I've enjoyed not understanding it. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that you watched in this movie in Goonies that suddenly like you realized something was reference or like you understood the reference or something? Like sloth. I mean the you, like the hey you guys yeah. and yeah. stuff. I mean, Ruth, Ruth baby. I guess you understood enough, probably, like, like if you heard it out of context of the movie, that you you got it. Yeah, I think that I've definitely heard that before, and I've known that it's from a movie. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I might have even known that it was Sloth that said it. Right. But I can't think of any yeah. any others. I think you're the I think you're the only one, Frank, that makes the the Ruth Ruth baby like reference ever. Like I've never one of my favorite lines. I know, and you and I've never heard anybody else say it. But Ruth baby, like I've heard you do it so many times, and it's like I never heard anybody else do it. So I think like asking about that. (laughs) Um, But you may have heard me do it, right? I've heard Frank do it, huh? Probably. I think that sometimes if if I don't recognize or understand something Mm -hmm. that I just. Pretend like it didn't happen. I just don't process it. Because I think they're probably, yeah, you probably make references to movies all the time, and I just have no awareness. I do. So, as far as, like, movies that I haven't seen, I have pretty much never seen most R-rated movies from the 80s. Right. So, any of your... Because, right, you haven't seen Die Hard, right? Have you seen Robocop? No, you you watched Die Hard over at Heaster's house, right? Or at least part of it? Because remember we were watching, uh, yeah. and then it repeated. I mean, that doesn't count. <laughs> I, I'm sure that I wasn't watching it. Well, we all. I mean, everybody went outside right. halfway yeah. through, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I might have seen the first half. Of it, yeah, but I've never seen any of the the Predator. But you, we watched I Heart with a Vengeance in the theater, right? Like, we, oh, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Have you seen RoboCop? Uh, I think I have seen RoboCop. Yeah, I went back and watched that. I went back and watched First Blood. Mm. Um, I've never seen Lethal Weapon. Really? No. Hmm. You've seen First Blood. Have you seen Rambo? No. Hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of good candidates. Yeah, yeah. How did you play GI Joe when you were young? I didn't play cool. GI Joe. I played Superpowers. Mm. We've had this conversation. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I didn't process it because I can't imagine anyone else playing GI Joe. So, did you see the Super Yeah, Joe, there's too much articulation. It's too, it's too sloppy. No, it's... I need some structure. It's tight. It's not tight. Yeah, there's loose. tight joints. Like a no, 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 you break the... You Look, G.I. Joe's hand. made the greatest wrestlers of all time. Just Like, it's so much like... All like, you want to <laughs> do is a small package. That's all you want to do. You can do hey, you can do a figure four or two if you're careful. Other, <laughs> other, but they could snap the leg. Just um, real leg. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you can. It's, so it's not any, just a, it's not just a small pack. So but for go any ahead. listeners, any any listeners out there, it's not just a small. Chris get angry. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was a kid. I played wrestling with Kenner Superpowers action figures. Chris played wrestling with GI Joes, uh-huh. and we have a feud over which which action figure series. Is better for a wrestling simulation. The superpowers couldn't do anything. Pile drivers. Line? <laughs> what? Pile drivers. The the arm was the arm was already molded into the shape of a punt. 
couch. Right. Yeah. And then you could do the best neck breakers. You know who? How you could do the best best neck breaker is like yes. Right. <laughs> because it actually looked like a neck breaker. Like like especially like the ravishing Rick Rude neck breaker. Like no. that's the best so version of neck breaker. I can't believe this is so continuing. I will concede the point <laughs> on the articulation, but the problem is the speed. What about Masters of the Universe? I would think they'd be better wrestling figures than superpowers. Because they all twist at the waist. I mean they have their role. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, we'll, 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 the next time we do this, we'll spend the last five minutes talking about this again. But um, it's, it's important. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So yeah, we'll have to figure out another movie to do. Um, so thank you for sitting down and watching yeah, this. Thank you. It was you fun. know, with us, yeah, um, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So uh, next week we'll be uh, doing the top five sword and sorcery movies of the nineteen eighties. Uh, is what we'll be covering. Um, as always, if anybody has any ideas for top five lists, you can email us at two guys five movies at gmail.com. That's the number two and five, two guys five movies at gmail.com. You can also friend us on Facebook uh, or follow us on Twitter. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the show and have a good night. Thanks. Have a good night.